The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the available lines ahead of the college basketball tournament on the DraftKings Sportsbook app. So download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort. 21 plus, age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. is good everybody welcome to the look ahead part of the SB Nation NFL show I'm Rob Stats Guerrero from Niners Nation with me as always on a Friday from blogging the boys RJ Ochoa good morning RJ what up Stats you look marvelous uh you sound marvelous life is marvelous life is really like a big musical the more I think about it and the beautiful baritone voice that is Rob Stats Guerrero is a nice one to fill my ears every now and then so I'm happy to be here with you well and we are happy to be joined by Steven Serta from Arrowhead Pride I just want to know, Steve, how are you dealing with the fact that Pete Sweeney of Arrowhead Pride just got verified on Twitter? Does he have a bigger head than normal? Uh, well, first off, RJ Sats, I, I'm very happy to be here. Um, Pete did text me as soon as he realized that he got verified. <laughs> uh, he was like, so we going to buy beers? We going to the pool? What's happening? I was like, Pete, it's it's 10 a.m. Uh, <laughs> we still got a lot to do today. And getting verified, I feel like, isn't as big of a deal as it used to be. I, I feel like anybody gets verified. That's why Pete Sweeney's verified now. I like that take. Honestly, um, I didn't get the Pete text. I did get the Pete slack uh, with the screen. I don't know if you got the screenshot, Stephen, but I definitely did. Um, and th- there were several messages that came along with it. Um, what I will say is I'm happy that Arrowhead Pride now has a sense of humility, just in any sense. Um, and, and I hope that that extends to on-the-field discussions because, as you know, Pete Sweeney, while we all love him in his full verifiedness, could be a bit of a homer. And so it's nice to have somebody who's a little bit more down-to-earth when it comes to talking about the Chiefs. I, I like the Chiefs. They're a fun football team. But uh, I upset people sometimes because I refuse to identify myself with a single NFL team. I just love football. So I love talking about all the teams and I enjoy watching all the teams in some regard. And I root for every team in the NFL in some way. So that way I'm never disappointed as a fan because I love every NFL team. You lost a couple respect points for that sentence (laughs) in my eyes. What do you mean you root for every team? I did just get a Denzel Ward jersey that I am juiced about. Incoming superstar breakout season for the Cleveland Browns. How many jerseys do you own? Um, I only own five right now. I'm trying to expand the wardrobe a little bit. I've got a Browns jersey. I have a Chiefs Eric Berry jersey is the last jersey that I have. I've got a George Kittle jersey, a Ravens Marcus Peters jersey. And what's the last one? It's an A.J. Brown jersey. Hmm, No Cowboys in there. Surprising. You know, Stephen, you really are uh, the Aldous Snow of the SB Nation NFL show, uh, a true citizen of the world, just, you know, like tats from every team. Uh, so, you know, I think that that makes you cultured. I think that that makes you somebody who would enjoy musicals, certainly. Um, you know, and I can I can really, really speak for you and I, Stephen, in saying that we are we are open to all the rhymes and rhythms of the world, which, you know, I, I don't want to delve too much into, you know, subjects that don't pertain to what we're talking about today, but isn't the case for everybody on the show today. Huge La La Land fan. Way to go. Respect. Okay, moving on from that. Uh, This is the look ahead. So just to give you a a little preview of what's coming up here on the SB Nation NFL show, next week we are going to start our divisional preview. So we are going to look at one division a day until we get all the way through, uh, and that'll take us right up until training camp. So we will break down every single division. So what we thought we would do today on the SB Nation NFL show, by the way, rate, review, follow if you don't already do so we are going to look and try and build the perfect conference 
with the best four divisions in football, what we think are the best four divisions in football. And the reason we're doing this is because Kyle Shanahan was a guest on the Flying Coach podcast with Peter Schrager and Sean McVay. And uh, Shanahan was talking about Julio Jones and the possibility that he was going to go to the NFC West. And basically what he said was when he found out that Julio might go to the NFC West and the Rams, he was like, we have to get involved because we just can't allow that to happen. Like he, he just can't end up in this division. And if he does, he has to go to us. So it got us thinking about the divisions as a whole who has the best division, and then RJ, I believe you came up with the idea to build the perfect conference. I assume you're going to throw the NFC West in there? Yeah, um, I am, definitely, but I, um, I'm i be honest here. I don't I don't fall, like, into the camp that is, like, the NFC West is easily the best division in all of football. Um, I'm certainly aware and hip to the idea that it is very talented. I do think it's a bit overrated. Like, I think we've gotten to this point where it's like, okay, the NFC West, blah, blah. And it's it's been competitive for a while, and that's fine. It wasn't even the division that collectively had the most wins last year, right? Like, and I realized that as you will tell the whole world stats that the 49ers had a lot of issues. And so that certainly influenced their 2020 season. But I mean, I we're I feel like let's talk about, you know, Marcus Peters's old team is his, his time with the Ravens. I mean, the, the AFC North is a really prominent division. I think the AFC North is a really, really good division, but I think top to bottom, the NFC West is just absolutely stacked. And you look at the Seattle Seahawks, like the Seattle Seahawks, are a good football team. I think they're probably the worst team in that division, like in terms of just top to bottom talent wise. It's just Russell Wilson's going to keep them competitive every year. And the 49ers are a Super Bowl contender. I, I think if they stay healthy, and especially if Trey Lance gets in the game over Jimmy Garoppolo, Preach. I would the 49ers to be the Super Bowl team out of the NFC. Bam. Steven, what are you doing? Listen, I I love the Pittsburgh Steelers. I don't know about Ben Roethlisberger, but I love their young wide receiver talent and their defense and everything. I'm very high on the Cleveland Browns. I have said that I think the Cleveland Browns are the second best team in the AFC behind the Kansas City Chiefs. Wow. I think they are drastically underrated. I think we are not putting enough emphasis on how talented their roster is top to bottom. I think they're going to show up and shock a lot of people this year. But the Bengals are just nowhere near as talented (laughs) as anybody in the NFC West. And so, yes, that is they've got three teams with the Ravens. The AFC North is a very talented division, but top to bottom, they don't have four teams that I think all four of those teams could be pushing for a playoff spot. So the first thing I want to say, and I'll throw this to stats, I don't think that the Seahawks are the worst team in the NFC West. I agree with you, Stephen, certainly that the NFC West is very talented, as we've all sort of outlined here. But I, I think the Cardinals are the worst team. Like, I, I think the Russell, you're right, Stephen, it is, it's Russell Wilson and it's then, you know, DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett doing superhuman things. But I still would take that over the Arizona Cardinals. The Cardinals have done nothing to, like, instill a large sense of belief in me. The Cardinals are, if there's a paper tiger in the NFC West, it's the Arizona Cardinals. I think that the Cardinals should have a better team than the Seahawks. I think their roster as a whole is better. Uh, The Seahawks defense is hideously bad, but Russell Wilson is so damn good that I think he elevates Seattle over Arizona, and I hate Arizona's head coach. I don't think Cliff Kingsbury can coach his way out of a paper bag. I don't think anybody else in the NFC West was shaking in their boots when he was hired, and until he's gone, I have to put Seattle ahead of Arizona. Do people really shake in boots anymore? It's like a thing still? (laughs) I don't know. Cliff Kingsbury seems like he might probably wear boots. I, he's definitely got a couple pairs of cowboy boots in the closet. Like there you go, too different colors, probably like an Arizona Cardinals themed. Oh, ooh, like a pair of red boots, like Ted Mosby. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's interesting stats how you hate all these teams that are like huge rivals to your favorite team. Just funny coincidence. Am I supposed to like the team's rivals? No, I'm just saying I find that to be interesting and coincidental. That's all. Yeah, hey. I think the Arizona Cardinals, like Cliff Kingsbury, is clearly the worst coach in that division. I, I I don't think that's up for debate. But I do like the pieces that they've added. If they get Chandler Jones back fully healthy, J.J. Watt, I still think, has some gas left in the tank. And their offense is going to improve if Kyler Murray continues to take a step forward. Their offensive line should be a little bit better. And I like Rondale Moore a lot, who they added in the NFL draft with DeAndre Hopkins. So I, I just think they have more pieces overall than the Seahawks. Who's the worst quarterback in the division? 
Jimmy Garoppolo. Yeah. He, no, but he is. But like, he's not like we don't have to pretend that Jimmy Garoppolo is going to start for this team for 17 <laughs> games, right? Like, we don't have to do that. So it's Trey Lance, right? You would have to say it until we see him. Yeah. Right. So that's that's also why, like, I'm bullish on the 49ers. Like, I totally agree with you, Stephen, at least because you're coming from an objective place, uh, that the 49ers have potential. Like, it's there. But we're we're basing it off of uh, my wife and I have been watching this show uh, Lego Masters. We've been catching up. I don't know if anybody has seen this. It is incredible. Uh, it's all these people that build these incredible things out of Legos, obviously. And um, or, excuse me, they're not called Legos. They're called Lego bricks. But um, like that's such a potentially weak foundation is is Trey Lance. If if that doesn't hit, then all of this is for naught, right? Like that's that's true. And so like I don't know how we can vault the 49ers to this place and everybody relax here, but we can't vault say the Bengals to that place when we know that Joe Burrow is already on his way to being a successful NFL quarterback. We've seen more of Joe Burrow at an NFL level than we have Trey Lance. We've seen more of Joe Burrow at a lot of levels than we have of Trey Lance. Like forgive me for not being all in on willing to believe that Trey Lance is going to be amazing from day one. I, I don't doubt that it's possible, but it's just, that is such a huge wild card. It's one of the biggest wild cards in the NFL. Like, it's a shaky bedrock. Did the 49ers make the Super Bowl a couple of years ago? They did, but Trey Lance wasn't there. I mean, and, yeah. and I know that, and they made it in spite of Jimmy Garoppolo. Like, what they did is is one of the more difficult ways to get to the Super Bowl. That's one of the more difficult ways to get to the Super Bowl that you can emulate and replicate. And so, like, the easiest way is, like, the Chiefs. You certainly know that, Stephen. Like, have the best quarterback in the NFL. Have the best head coach in the NFL. I mean, that's the easiest way to do it. The way the 49ers did was not necessarily catching lightning in a bottle, but it was having a lot of things go right, having a lot of players stay healthy. And no, your, they didn't have a lot but, of players or, stay or, healthy. Or not, not having your entire team fall apart, rather, <laughs> um, and having your quarterback stay out of the way. And who, like, what quarterbacks are really hard at staying out of the way or, or have a hard time doing that? Rookie quarterbacks. So, I'm like I'm just not as willing to believe that the 49ers are a Super Bowl team in the here and now. I would almost I'm not like I'm not super dug in on this Bengals take, but I'm almost willing to say that like they're a they're kind of a cop to the 49ers here potentially because we don't know what Trey Lance is going to do. You're out of your mind. You're out of your mind. The rest of the Cincinnati roster is nowhere near as no, good. I, I, I realize as the 49ers that, but, roster. but they have a, a quarterback at the in the NFL who we believe in. And I know you believe in Trey Lance's potential, but we have not seen that yet. So like, forgive me for not saying that they are not a Super Bowl or for not buying that they're a Super Bowl contender now. You know, I'm getting tired of having to carry this burden here because you keep trying to, you keep trying to tell me I'm crazy. The 49ers, by your own admission, got to the Super Bowl not because of their quarterback. There's well, no then why, reason. Well, then why even trade up to three? If it's so unimportant, why not just run it back with Jimmy? If it truly is that irrelevant. Because he doesn't stay healthy. Yeah, Jimmy's made of glass. Like Jim, Jimmy just can't stay on the football field. But the reason they could succeed no matter who's at quarterback, one, the overall roster talent is absurd for the 49ers. And Kyle Shanahan is perfectly fine running the ball 450 times because they're <laughs> going to be successful doing that no matter what. And, oh, they're getting Nick Bosa back, so their pass rush is going to be awesome. That's the most important thing. I completely agree with that point. I just – I'm a little bit bullish. If you have the worst quarterback in the division, who Trey Lance is right now, just, you know, off the top for obvious reasons, I'm I'm not as willing to believe in you. So that's that's just it. I'm, I'm ready to be proven wrong, Stats. Yeah, well, brace yourself. That's all I could say. Uh, but I just want to point out two of the last three Super Bowl representatives in the NFC have come from the NFC West. So you don't think it's the best division in football, but history says it kind of is. They both lost. I mean, yeah, but they still got there. Okay, so what? I mean, are we We're talking about the overall talent of a division? And I two of the three and the two teams that went have different quarterbacks now than they went. Like that's such an important piece. Well, the 49ers to it all. don't. Oh, they, okay, so now it's like you can't placate the Jimmy Garoppolo thing and and now suddenly cape for him be like, "Well, he's on the team. It's not a different thing." You you hate my hatred for Jimmy Garoppolo has been born of your hatred for Jimmy Garoppolo's stats. <laughs> so, I mean, you can't, you know, now be like, "Oh, yeah, he's part of the group, whatever." Like, well, he's he's on the team. I mean, let's not let's not say things that aren't true. And by the way, the Rams upgraded at quarterback since getting to the Super Bowl, that's and that's true. undeniable. So, yeah. I mean, how do you what other division are you going to say is better than the NFC West. Lay it on me. 
I think, I think, I know I, I threw out the AFC North here. I'm not, like, again, if now you're both looking at it through the lens of, like, are just saying this division is better than the NFC West. But I really think that we are somewhat sleeping on the AFC East. Obviously, Buffalo is incredible. We all agree yep. there. Miami, 10 wins last year. We all expect a forward step. And that there's a lot of pressure there. Like, if you don't, you know, maybe, maybe you don't believe in Tua. There's obviously a lot of people who don't. I think New England could obviously be back, right? Like, there's, there's a lot of expectation there. And, you know, the Jets are, you know, still a year or so away, but obviously going to be better, going to raise the overall average of the division, at least more so, or contribute more this year than they did last year. So I think we're sleeping on the AFC East a little bit as an overall division. It's a really intriguing division. Um, you know, I, I'm huge on the fantasy football stuff, and there's not a more intriguing fantasy division, in my mm. opinion, than the AFC East, because... There's a ton of value with the Miami Dolphins, especially if Tua takes a big leap forward. We know the Bills are going to be like a top three to five scoring offense in all likelihood. And the Jets have just a ton of question marks, but they're young and intriguing. Like I want to see if Denzel Mims is going to be a good player, if Zach Wilson can be a good quarterback. And the Patriots, you just assume, are going to be like a, a, a like anywhere from like 7 to 10, 11 win team just because it's Bill Belichick and the Patriots. And they'll try to figure it out. And at the very least, they're going to be competitive every week. Yeah, you can't just show up and beat the Patriots ever, even when Cam Newton seemingly can't throw a touchdown pass. I think the AFC East is one of the most interesting divisions in football, but it's nowhere near one of the best. We have no idea which Josh Allen we're going to see this season, first of all. He could mm, be the guy we saw Josh last Allen year. Slander. Mm. It's not slander. Mm. I'm saying, here's what I'm saying, that the real Josh Allen is somewhere between the guy we saw his first couple years in the league and the guy we saw last year. I don't think that's like a hot take. I think that's a totally normal, rational take that Josh Allen is not magically going to make this mystical leap with his accuracy where he went up like 10% in a single season, which like nobody ever does. And all of a sudden he's just going to perform at that level from now on. Isn't it more likely that he had a career year, an incredible year, and that this year he'll probably be somewhere in between those two performance levels? Yeah, but even that normal regression, which I agree with you is fair, would still yield a pretty incredible quarterback, right? Like that's how insane last season was. And obviously we expect Buffalo's defense to be better. So, yeah, I I mean, but like it's difficult. You know, you're both out here poo-pooing all these, you know, like I've suggested the AFC North and the AFC East. I challenge you to name three other non-NFC West divisions that are better than both of these. I think the AFC West is up there. Mm. I Well, that, I was going to say the it's AFC It's really top-heavy. Yeah, and it's top-heavy with the Chiefs because you assume they're just going to easily win that division. And oh, I, I don't. I, I would oh. put the Raiders at the bottom. I, I, I do think they're going to win the division pretty easily, but the Chargers are going to give them some problems if – I mean, it's a it's a dream right now. But if Aaron Rodgers went to the Denver Broncos, that Broncos team is all of a sudden a Super Bowl contender, sure. in my opinion. But even without, I think that they're still a really competitive football team. They've made a ton of improvements on defense, and I absolutely love their offense with Jerry Judy and Cortland Sutton coming back. Noah Fant. If Drew Locke is just average at best, like the Denver Broncos should be a competitive team. So top to bottom, the AFC West is a good division. I have no faith in the in the Raiders whatsoever. So you put Vegas below Denver? Yes. That's interesting. I just I I believe in Drew Locke that little that I would put him <laughs> I would put Denver below the Raiders uh, personally. But but like I I think I could see a world because all the Raiders care about, so it seems like all the Raiders care about, is beating the Chiefs and now the Chargers, right? Like getting the big wins, like collecting, you know, like they're the people that like, they don't want to collect all 151 Pokemon cards. They just want Charizard, Venusaur, Blastoise. That's it. They just need those three. And their version of that is beating the Chiefs and beating the Chargers. So like, I could see the, the Raiders having like six wins this year, but three of them coming against Los Angeles and Kansas City and, and calling it a successful season. If Derek Carr played against all the teams, the way he played against the Chiefs, the Raiders would be great. I don't know why we don't see that guy every single week. When he's aggressive and pushing the ball down the field, he's got an arm. He can throw. But we don't see that guy every single week, and I don't understand why. I've been watching the Raiders and Derek Carr very closely for years. The two games they had against the Chiefs last season are the two most inexplicable games I've ever seen an NFL quarterback play. It's 
the the first time when they actually beat the Chiefs, there was zero way for the Chiefs to prepare for that game because Derek Carr doesn't play that way ever. <laughs> and he did it in the second game too. And I think his only other performance the entire season was against the Jets where he had a walk-off touchdown where they just gave up at the end and right. he rugs for a long touchdown. Do you guys agree that if Aaron Rodgers were to be traded to the AFC West, that that then would become the best division in the NFL? Yeah, because you have three top 10 quarterbacks. You don't yep. have that in the NFC West. Yep, I would yeah. agree. Without, without a doubt. It would be the most fun division in football. I would love to see that. As someone who just generally loves football and loves watching 50-point games, I would love to see that on a weekly basis. Um. I don't know if you know this, Steven. Stats is a huge Aaron Rodgers fan, so he's really rooting for this so that um, this has to happen. Stats was glued to the match this week. Um, and so, you know, hey, look forward get to that, it, Stats. Get that guy. First of all, get him out of the NFC, please. Thank you very much. That'd be great. But I, I think him, Aaron Rodgers in Denver at this point is more interesting than Aaron Rodgers in Green Bay. Don't you? Well, yeah, Aaron Rodgers in any non-Green Bay place is more interesting than Aaron Rodgers in Green Bay. Like we've seen Aaron Rodgers in Green Bay is like the Fast and Furious movies. Like we've seen the same thing over and over and over <laughs> and over and over again. Like give us give us something different. Yeah, we know he can make it to an NFC title game with what's there. But if he went to Denver, I would argue it's the best collection of offensive talent he's ever had in his career. And yep. I don't think it's really that close. Those Broncos Chiefs games would be like they would be incredible must watch i mean you got mahomes going up against rogers those could that could be a 50 50 like literally over under would be set at like 110 what's the best broncos chiefs uniform matchup and stadium to play in because i have a very powerful thought on this like that game looks that game looks better in certain circumstances that's what i'm saying uh well i the chiefs wear red on red a lot against the broncos so they got to wear the red on red that's lame that's, that's the not Chiefs the jerseys stink. The Chiefs jerseys are terrible. Well, a lot of Chiefs fans love the white on white. I'm a red on red guy. I, I love the red on red, but I think it's got to be at Mile High. I think the the scenery of Mile High is is better than Arrowhead Stadium. Exactly, and you go KC white on white, and you go Denver blue on blue. I don't need none of this orange because the orange looks too similar to the Chiefs red. You know, we need that contrast going on. So we need the all navy versus the all white. Looks beautiful. I like the Broncos alternate jerseys with the dark blue helmet with the old school orange D. I thought that looked incredible. Like mm. then, and then you put that up against the chiefs, all whites and I'm down for that. Looks dumb. Cause the old school D was not on a Navy helmet. So thanks for playing stats, but you're wrong. So what? Who cares? So it looks it's good. Not, it's not accurate. It's like, it doesn't matter. You know, something I really hate, Steven, I'll tell you this. Um, like, so people, a lot of chiefs fans bought, you know, chiefs, super bowl jerseys, right? With a super bowl patch. I hate, for example, if somebody buys a white Chiefs jersey with a Super Bowl 50, you know, four patch, because that isn't what they wore, right? Like they wore the red jerseys. So if you're buying the white jersey with the Super Bowl patch, it's a lie. And so like to to that point, stats <laughs> like the Navy Denver helmets with the D is a lie because they never wore that before. So you're not like throwing yes, it back. Did. No, they didn't. They- it, it was the royal blue. That's what I'm saying. Like it wasn't. They've Navy. worn the navy helmet with the orange D in a game before. I I realize that, but like the it, the throwback essence of it is throwing it back to the royal blue. So you're not really throwing it back. You're just inventing something new that isn't the same thing. Yeah, you hate new. I I get it. Yeah, you can't you can't just be out here lying. Like there's these exactly. off alternate yellow Chiefs jerseys and black Ooh. ones that people wear. Ooh. They're just they're just hideous. They're they're awful. I don't know why anybody would ever spend money on one of them. It, it, it makes zero sense. They're never going to wear that color combination. It's atrocious. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. You know, one division that I think has made the biggest drop off, and I think that's the NFC South. Like that used to be a very, very strong division. And now it's like, what is the NFC South? It's the Bucks and a whole bunch of nothing. 
they do have the reigning Super Bowl champion. So that's a pretty, you know, notable thing. But yeah, but I mean, Drew Brees is retired, but Drew Brees is washed, right? So like, I don't think Drew Brees' retirement is this like, man, New Orleans is going to take this massive step backwards. Oh, and, I do. I mean, I I just, maybe they they might win less games, but I don't think that they will look or feel any less, you know, explosive than they were last season. Just because Drew Brees' arm, again, was washed and has been washed for a while. Um, obviously, Atlanta trading Julio Jones certainly puts them in that category, but they do have Kyle Pitts, that's worth noting. And a new head coach, and that you obviously get, you know, sometimes get that boost. Um, and Carolina is a, a weird situation. They're so hard to figure out. Um, are they going to be good? Are they still not good? Are they hoping for something different? Or I mean, it's they're they're one of the more weird teams in the NFL. Yeah, the Panthers are actually really interesting because we're going to find out, I guess, if Sam Darnold can actually play football. Now. He can't. <laughs> I, I mean, I, but I'm, I'm intrigued enough by it, though, that I, I'm going to watch it and pay attention to it because I mean, Matt Rule, the, the Panthers weren't very good last season, but they did enough with Matt Rule and Joe Brady to make you think like, oh, they're headed in the right direction. There's enough pieces there. If they, you know, get a, get a quarterback who can make some plays, they could figure some things out. So they're intriguing enough that I'm curious about the Panthers, but I'm still not sold on it. I feel like if they're going to do anything with Joe Brady as their offensive coordinator, they have to do it this year because he's going to wind up being a head coach sooner rather than later. Uh, the Falcons, I, I just think they're going to be a bad football team again. I, I don't see them doing much. And I think the Saints kind of missed their window. Like, they're still a talented team. They've still got a lot of pieces and whatever. And Michael Thomas and Alvin Kamara are still young players. I'm definitely intrigued by Jameis Winston, but – Sean Payton's Taysom Hill out there a lot because Jameis is fun. All yeah, right? dude. I, I love yeah, fun I love for the Jameis. defense. I love Ryan Fitzpatrick. I love <laughs> guys like that. Just wheel and deal. Just go out there and sling it and make plays. And I want to see that. I would much rather see that than Taysom Hill throwing ducks out there all day. <laughs> Taysom Hill has the worst football I have seen in the NFL in a long time. And that was with dead arm Drew Brees playing last season. Like Drew Brees was still throwing better footballs than Taysom Hill. I don't want to see that. I think the saints just kind of squandered the talent of that roster and they completely missed their window. It's I, I the, it's a top heavy division where the bucks are clearly the best team in the division. I don't think anybody else is really going to be that close. I agree with this entirely. The saints as a whole are kind of like wearing their high school letterman jacket after the fact, <laughs> right? Like that's, that's who they are, right? Like, you know, Hey, we, we want all these games. I know Football Outsiders um, recently wrote about how they have one of the greatest DVOAs, like have this kind of like DVOA dynasty for in terms of teams that didn't win a Super Bowl. And like, that's a weird place to be in. Um, right. I, I mean, like, there's no prize for that, but that it's there was a very prominent window there. Uh, I think Jameis to me is kind of like, I'm not one of these people that likes sour candy. Um, I know that these people exist, like everybody's like favorite, whatever is like sour apple and sour melon and all this stuff. Like that's what Jameis is. He's like one of those, like you ever have those warhead candies? You know what I mean? Like it's just really sour and you put it in your, like, you know, it's going to be like this weird ride, but it's, it's still a fun ride. Like that's Jameis to me. Like it still could end up being nice. No, I think Jameis is like Taco Bell. Wow. You might, you might enjoy it when you're a, eating it. Really yeah. in uh, like yeah. huge thing to say about Taco Bell, dude. Like Taco Bell's awesome. That's so no, disrespectful to a guy who threw for 5,000 yards two years ago. Yeah. Yeah, right. A million interceptions, but it was a thrill ride the entire Exactly. Ride. It might feel good when you're eating it, but you know, in the end, it's going to come back to hurt you. And that's exactly who Jameis Winston is. I don't know what you're ordering from Taco Bell stats, but it's clearly not working out for you. Um, I, I mean, there's it's it's an interesting thing, like the Jameis thing. I'm totally there. Like, I want to see that. I just it's kind of like, um, you know, I don't know. I don't know what, but I just it's a thing I've never seen before. So I want to see it. I want to see how it works out. Yeah, Great. Well, Sean Payton's going to be the one to fix him. I know all these other coaches couldn't do it, but Sean Payton's going to be the guy that gets him to stop throwing the damn ball to the other team. OK, like I love that as a Niner fan. Please, New Orleans, make that bet. I'm happy to see that. Jameis has LASIK now, and he's in better shape than he ever was in Tampa. Have you seen his exercise videos? Jameis is out here crushing it. He's going to have a monster year. 
I also think we've seen a bit of a – we talked stats a few weeks ago about the renaissance that the number one has seen in the NFL. Like, you know, obviously Cam Newton's been the best number one, and now Justin Fields has it. The number two is on its way back as well. But Jameis started this, all right? Jameis in, in New Orleans, Don number two – all of a sudden, Carson Wentz wants number two. All of a sudden, Zach Wilson wants number two. The number two is really picking up some steam, and Jameis Winston is the guy who gave birth to that craze. Really? Because Matt Ryan's worn number two forever. <laughs> yeah, but it's a different two. Like, it looks cooler on It's Jameis. a different two? What is it, yeah. a Roman numeral? No, it's... That would look awesome. A Roman numeral two is what Julio Jones wore in Atlanta, by the way. Um, but, um, but yeah, I mean, it, yeah. Watch out, dude. Jameis is going to be awesome. I'm, I'm awesome to enjoy. I don't know if he'll be awesome in terms of success, but it will be a lot of fun. It's a thrill ride, as Steven said. Do you not like fun? It's not a thrill ride because I know how the ride ends. It ends with him turning the ball over and his teams getting their asses kicked. Okay. Like mm. that. That's who Jameis Winston is. I'm stunned that this is the plan that the Saints had. Like, the best they could come up with. They've known for years that Drew Brees was at the end of his rope. But the best they could do is a guy who is so good at all these positions that he never has an actual position in Taysom Hill. And Jameis Winston, a guy that nobody wants to be their starting quarterback. That's how he ended up on the Saints. Everybody in the league looked at this guy and said, we could do better than him. And that's who you're putting your faith in. Okay. Um, so I have a question for you both moving on, uh, because stats is upset. Um, so acknowledging that the NFC West is difficult to properly measure or properly predict right now because of the Trey Lance factor, right? We're willing to put that in its own special box. What is the, if, if we evaluate this from the perspective of the, the worst one in it, right? Like which division features the, the best worst quarterback, so, like, the, the floor is the highest for them all. Because I have an answer that I think is really interesting. Like, if we're looking at all four quarterbacks in it, which one is is the best on aggregate? The the best, worst quarterback? So, I guess I'm, I'm asking the, the same thing, but in a, asking in a different way. The, the way I'm looking at it, I guess, is the worst quarterback in the division that, in my mind, that I'll present to you in a moment here, is better than the worst starting quarterback in any other division, which means that that division on aggregate is the best from a quarterback perspective because this particular worst one is much better than all the other worst ones. <laughs> you both are stunned. Uh, I'm looking at the I'm looking at I'm the looking teams. At, I'm looking at the divisions, trying to break this down. Really so, quickly. like, we're taking rookies out of this, right? We're putting them well, in perspective because. So, I'll just tell you my my thought, um, and I'm kind of like peeing on my own leg here, I guess. Maybe I've had too much Taco Bell uh, because I was willing to, and I am willing to say that Trey Lance is this wild card, could be great, and that obviously changes a lot of things. And the division I'm talking about features a rookie quarterback. Unlike Trey Lance, I'm not willing to say right now that I believe Trey Lance is better than Kyler Murray, than Matthew Stafford, than Russell Wilson. But that's because we've seen some incredible things from all three of those quarterbacks. I am willing to say that I believe more in Justin Fields than I do Jared Goff. Um, certainly than I believe <laughs> in the long-term future of Kirk Cousins. And so today, with Aaron Rodgers present in Green Bay, at least you know theoretically, I think the, a the NFC North potentially has the best quarterback play on aggregate because I think Jared Goff is the worst quarterback in that group or might bear himself out as being the worst. And that, that might be true for the uh, NFC West. Even if Trey Lance is the worst I mean, if he's still very good, I mean, that, that division might win this particular award. But I think in, in that small sense, we might be underrating the NFC North because they have the most, I guess, kind of stable quarterback play from top to bottom. Yeah, I could totally agree with that. I think Justin Fields is going to be a superstar and, and Chicago should stop playing around and just call him the week one starter because their offense is better and the, and their front office and their coaching staff, all of those guys – are going to be under scrutiny this year until they put Justin Fields in the game. So just just do it because everybody wants to see it. Nobody cares about Andy Dalton. And he's definitely, I will say yes, day one, he is better than Jared Goff. Jared Goff is hideously bad. Jared Goff couldn't really beat teams with Sean McVay. Like, he was the weak link on all those teams, and he had one of the best offensive play callers in the league designing things for him. And he still really couldn't do it. So you're going to put him in Detroit now? Who are his wide receivers in Detroit? Who's the number one target for the Lions right now? I don't know. 
Rashad Perriman. Yeah. You all, I mean, not a wide receiver, but TJ Hawkinson. I mean, it's, awesome. it's not pretty. I mean, no, <laughs> nobody's like, but again, if, if he's the worst quarterback in the division, which we all agree here, he's much better than a lot of the other worst quarterbacks in other divisions. That's kind no, of my I don't point think here. I don't think he is. I think that's my point. I think he's way is worse he than, than we is really. Is he better than Jameis? Mm, no. I don't know. Wow. Well, you're over here saying Jameis is worthless. And how could anybody have <laughs> yeah. any level of belief in Jameis? And here you're now debating whether Jared Goff is worse than him. Yeah, because two quarterbacks can be bad. I don't have to like they could both suck. Imagine that. There are some bad quarterbacks in is, the league. Is Jared Goff better, Steven, than Derek Carr? On aggregate, across an entire season? No. Is he better than Drew Locke? That I think, yes. Probably, yes. Yeah, probably. Is he better than... I mean, he's definitely better than whatever Houston's trotting out right now. Um, <laughs> is, Taylor, Davis, Davis Mills. Mills. Um, is he better than Zach Wilson today? Like we we all we're all saying Justin Fields is going to walk in be better than uh, Jared Goff, but do we trust it, Zach Wilson as a Jet? That's obviously the the specific detail here. No, I I would say Goff's better right now. Yeah, so you know, hey, he he's raising he's somewhat raised the floor of the NFC North. Respect. I just can't believe like that's the plan the Lions are going with. I don't think it's the plan. Who thinks this is the plan? The, the plan is to just be bad and utilize all this draft capital in the future. And if Jared Goff is good, then cool. They'll figure it out. Well, they hired Dan Campbell. I'm convinced they hired Dan Campbell to just fire him in two years. <laughs> <laughs> they, they, they hired him just because they were like, this guy will make us look like a laughing stock, and we'll just use that as an excuse for how bad we're going to be over the next couple of years. Then we'll fire him in two years. We'll get – you know, a couple, couple top three draft picks and, and hope that we turn this thing around. Mm. That makes a lot of sense. One of my favorite joys this offseason has been every time Dan Campbell says some outrageous thing, whether it's biting people in the kneecaps or getting a trained lion that he could use to attack people, somebody from 49ers Twitter will quote tweet it and they'll just put the comment, Niners in week one by a thousand. And it just makes me smile every time. They should be the Jets from last year, so everybody should beat them by a thousand. No. All right. We have not talked about RJ, your division, the NFC East. The worst division in football? Um, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I'm not going to cape for the NFC East by any means. I do think, uh, because we, we have kind of stumbled into this like quarterback discussion within it, and I'm I'm very positive that you'll both agree with this, at least Stephen will, because he's rooted from a point of objectivity. Um, I think that the NFC East features the largest gap from the best quarterback to the field than, than any other in terms of who they are presently. I mean, the gap between Dak Prescott and whoever you think is second best, a lot of people think it's Ryan Fitzpatrick for whatever reason, um, I think is much larger than the gap from even from Patrick Mahomes to Justin Herbert. But because that, that just speaks more to Justin Herbert than it does to Patrick Mahomes in my mind. Yeah, I totally agree. If Dak Prescott doesn't get hurt last year, I think he easily throws for 5,000 yards and he's in the MVP conversation because that offense was that good before he actually went down. And when I thought you were asking who's the best, worst quarterback in the division, I thought you were talking about Washington and Ryan Fitzpatrick because he might be the second best quarterback in the division. And it's at the very least, it's because Washington's offense is intriguing. Like they added Curtis Samuel, Terry McLaurin, Antonio Gibson. Like I'm excited about those players and, and Fitzmagic just throwing caution to the wind on a weekly basis and lobbing it up for Terry McLaurin. I Fitzpatrick is the most interesting quarterback Terry's had so far in his career. I actually really like Washington this year because their defense has a chance to be a top five defense in the NFL. Like they could actually, they could, they could legitimately be a playoff team again. I don't think they're better than the Cowboys overall because of Dak Prescott, but I think they're probably the second best team in that division. So this is where I do the stats thing. And I like hate on the team that is like a big rival of my team. Um, and so I just don't like, we know there's an overwhelming amount of data. And I'm not saying that Washington's defense is going to be awful or anything, but that is the most difficult thing to replicate year over year in the NFL is defensive success. Generally speaking, a lot of great defenses fall off and it's like, what happened? Where's the defense from last year? And obviously Chase Young's incredible. There's a lot of great talent there. I certainly believe that they'll be contenders. And I certainly believe, and I've said this all off season long, that Ryan Fitzpatrick will have some moments 
that, you know, put him on, you know, a sports center top 10 list. He'll have some great meme, you know, memeable moments and everybody will have fun and there'll be these cute things. And, oh, my gosh, huff, it's magic. But it will taper off. And that's that's the ride. Like we, we've talked about, like things we've seen before. That always happens with Ryan Fitzpatrick. And I I mean, I don't believe at all in the New York Giants. I've also said this offseason. I think that the only team in the NFC who I think is like 100% worse than them is the Lions. And so I, I really, <laughs> really don't believe in the Giants. So I do believe in the Eagles to some extent, much to BLG's chagrin. Um, and so, the you know, Washington plays Dallas and Philadelphia. I don't know if either of you know this. Four weeks in a row, they literally go Dallas, Philly, Dallas, Philly, which is really dumb. Um, but that doesn't happen till the final stretch of the season. And by that point, Ryan Fitzpatrick is generally pretty cooked. Like, that's the ride we've seen for so long. And so, yeah, like, they'll have some really fun moments. They might even be leading the division after four or five weeks, and everybody be like, this is why Washington went out and signed Ryan Fitzpatrick. But I really, really, really believe that they really, you know, ruined an opportunity here because that defense is good enough to compete they did add a lot of offensive pieces like they should have been the team trading up to get justin fields not chicago because they're the team that's that close to really having an overall group that can compete ryan fitzpatrick is is merely uh i don't even want to call him a progress stopper he's a, a time waster that and i i love ryan fitzpatrick but you're just delaying the inevitable kind of like Chicago's and Andy Dalton. You're going to reach a point where he's not going to be good enough, and then you're going to be like, man, what do we do? We have all this talent. You should have gone out and gotten somebody. If they had, I would respect them more. I think you're hating on Washington a little bit, and I think you're overestimating the Cowboys. Like The Dak Cowboys was- aren't that great, but the Washington, we're, like, we're pinning – this is a, a riskier proposition than pinning all your hopes and dreams on the combination of Jimmy Garoppolo and Trey Lance. Like, th- there's, there's not – there is not an example of Ryan Fitzpatrick every week of a regular season leading a team to the playoffs. There's not. But I think they have paired Ryan Fitzpatrick with the perfect thing, which is a really good defense, because I agree with you. There's going to be times when Ryan Fitzpatrick is humming and they're going down the field and all of, a t- all of a sudden he throws this just stupid, horrible interception. There are absolutely going to be times when that happens. But you know what? I think their defense is good enough to make up for that. I think they're going to stop the team when they get the ball in a short field. I think Washington's defense is going to be good enough to hold them to a field goal instead of allowing a touchdown. And you know what that's going to let Ryan Fitzpatrick do? Get the damn ball back and go down and pull some crazy stuff at the end of the game and pull out a lot of games. I think that that is, they're going to bail him out a lot of times and sort of protect him from himself. And I think he's going to have the chance to win a lot of games because of it. And you can say what you want about the Cowboys and Dak Prescott and how he was killing it last year, and he was, but they were one in three. Oh, I so agree with even, that. Even with Dak balling out and doing everything possible that he could do, they still lost three out of four games. So even if you think he's going to come back and pick up right where he left off, where does that leave the Cowboys, really? I totally believe that the Cowboys are a little bit overhyped in a lot of people's minds, but they are like, we talked about the worst division in the NFL. They are the best of the worst. Like, and a lot of that is Dak. And, you know, it was very exciting to think about CeeDee Lamb, you know, with the entire season of Dak Prescott, like there's a lot there. Um, but, you know, offense is king of the NFL and the Cowboys should have one of the best offenses in the NFL. And that's why, you know, I think that that's a rising tide that lifts all boats. And so, I, I mean, I totally agree with you that, you know, Washington's very, very good defense somewhat mitigates Ryan Fitzpatrick's Fitzpatrickness. Um, <laughs> but, I mean, I trust, like, if we're going to have one elite thing and one kind of thing that's just holding on, I would rather my elite thing be Dak Prescott and my thing holding on be the Cowboys defense that theoretically will be improved, mostly because it's incredibly difficult to be that bad again. Um, and so... Like that's that's why that combination to me is, is far more trustworthy. But again, I I don't want to like live in the spectrum of if QB wins or anything like that. But do do either of you know how many times Ryan Fitzpatrick has played sixteen games in an NFL season? I do I have no idea. I want you, I would like for you to guess. I don't want to say I won. I don't want to get demanding. Okay? I've been kind of aggressive. Uh, twice is Stevens' guess stats. Well, he wasn't a full-time, full-time starter. Like, he usually came off the bench. I'll, I'll say once. Three times. In 2011 and 2012 with Buffalo. That was a hard stretch for Buffalo. But they went they went 6-10 and 10 in both those seasons. The only other instance in which he started 16 games was kind of when he, like, I don't want to say lucked into it, but the Jets were in a really awkward place in 2015. 
Um, Steven, I'm sure you remember the Eric Decker, Brandon Marshall year. That was a great fantasy season. Uh, but and they went 10 and six and they missed the playoffs because Rex Ryan beat them in week 17. And it was the greatest moment of Rex Ryan's life. And so, <laughs> so but like he's been living off of that and he's been playing well. I don't want to say that that hasn't been the case for a long time since then, because remember, he held out after that. And the Jets paid him for one year. And the following year in the games Ryan Fitzpatrick played, they went three and eight with Todd Bowles, then went to Tampa two and one in 2017. And then in 2018, two and five, 2019 with Miami, five and eight last year, four and three. So like, forgive me for not just like totally believing that suddenly this is the magic elixir that Washington has been missing. If they had, I would be terrified of this team if they had traded it for Justin Fields. And I'm very thankful that they did not. I think one thing that you can feel like is guaranteed by like week five or week six, you're going to see Kyle Allen or Taylor Heidke totally start a game because Fitzmagic is going to have like a five interception game somewhere along the line. Then they're going to try out those guys, give them a shot. They're going to be terrible. And then by week seven, Fitzmagic is going to be starting again. I, I feel like you can definitively say that about Ryan Fitzpatrick and the Washington team. And to your point about defense, I totally agree. Year over year, it's very difficult to be a very good defense year in and year out in the NFL. And I would say that's especially difficult in the secondary. Washington got an elite season out of nowhere from Kendall Fuller last year. I would imagine that's probably not going to repeat itself. But what does repeat more often year over year on defense is pass rush. They have the best defensive lines in football. No, and obviously Chase Young is, I mean, I think, I don't think we've even scratched the surface of who he is as an NFL player. And that's a really terrifying thing. But, you know, we've seen, you know, great defensive ends, great defensive linemen in general, not be enough to carry a defense. And so if there is that regression in the other capacities of the Washington defense, like that's, that's not a rising tide that can lift all boats just because of the way football works. And that's why, to your point earlier, Stephen, I think that San Francisco will get a nice boost on defense with Nick Bosa coming back because that is a really important factor here. But I just I don't I don't buy it. I also I've said many times I don't buy Ron Rivera. I think he's an incredible person. What he's been through is, I mean, incredibly respectable, huge fan of Ron Rivera, the person. But everybody remembers the 2010 Seattle Seahawks that won their division at seven and nine and beat the Saints and the Marshawn Lynch beast quick and everything. Prior to last year, the last team to win a division with a sub-500 record was Ron Rivera's Carolina Panthers. He is literally the head coach of the last two teams, or was the head coach of the last two teams, to win their division with a sub-500 record. Of his four division titles that he has had as a head coach, two have come in instances where everything collapsed around him within his division, and he was just the, the only person left standing. So, I mean... He oversaw the 2015 Carolina Panthers. Got to give him a lot of credit for that. But I just, I don't, this is a, a weird combination of optimism that a lot of people seem to share in my mind. But maybe I'm just a homer. I'm willing to say that that's a possibility. Ron Rivera is the best coach in that division. And that's it's not such close. a silly statement. That's such a silly statement. If you're going to give me Mike McCarthy, I, I mean, if, if he doesn't get Aaron Rodgers with him, what, what are we talking about here? I mean, he's getting massages instead of working on the game plan. That's Mike McCarthy. That's your guy. Ron Rivera is an adult. He's a really good head coach. He's not an amazing head coach. He's just not horrible. And in the NFC East, that's enough to get you where you are. I mean, w- Mike McCarthy, he took a year off. And he put some binders in the background of some interviews he did. And all of a sudden, like, people think he's a good coach. Like, no, he's not a good coach. He was getting, he had a losing record one year with Aaron Rodgers. Like, what the hell? I don't know why we only assign credit to what happened in Green Bay to Aaron Rodgers specifically. Obviously, Aaron Rodgers is a huge part of that. Um, and I don't, I mean, again, maybe this is very homery, but like Mike McCarthy lost his starting quarterback for a majority of last season. He had his whole, he had his right tackle gone for the entire season. He lost his left tackle early on in the season, lost his linebacker. And I really, I've, I've said this several times. I really hate bringing this up because this has nothing to do with football. Life is so much more important, but Mike McCarthy, you know, obviously was well connected to the green Bay franchise and lost a number of people. There were a number of people who passed away last year. They were associated with the green Bay Packers. And obviously the Cowboys went through their own tragedy right before Thanksgiving. It was just an incredible, it was an arduous year in a number of senses. And again, I, I want to underscore that that has nothing to do with football. But my, my point is, 
getting back to the football of it all, to your point, stats, Mike McCarthy, like there, a lot was made about the McCarthy project. And it doesn't help Mike McCarthy that he went on such a PR tour to get his job with the Cowboys that he has now. But the guy spent an entire year like carefully planning his return to the NFL, right? However much you believe in that potential plan. And on day three, that was all thrown out the window when COVID hit, right? Like, I mean, he he had, he, I mean, again, however much stock you put into this is, is ultimately up to you. But he had ultimately detailed like how he wanted to handle OTAs, how he wanted to handle mini camps, how he wanted to stagger different things. He had carefully outlined all those things. And, you know, his that was his plan, right? Like I've established this plan. Imagine going into like any PowerPoint presentation and then, two minutes in the power going out and you having to recite it off from memory or figure it out on the fly. And that's, I, I, all I'm saying is I really hate like saying that it, it, it was a mulligan of a year or something like that. But I, I think that that's some necessary context before we just say he's this oaf who doesn't know how to coach. Yeah. I, I'm not trying to say that Nick Sirianni and Joe judge are better <laughs> than Mike McCarthy. I, I have no faith that either one of those dudes is a better coach than Mike McCarthy. But RJ, that thing that you're, your explanation for, for McCarthy, that happened to every coach in the league. Every coach had a plan of how they were going to do OTAs in the offseason. And then COVID hit. And the Not, good ones adapted. Every coach in, spent an entire year planning it the way Mike McCarthy did. What do you did. think that they do in the offseason? I mean, I'm, again, I'm not – I really am not trying to, like, make excuses for Mike McCarthy. That's not what I'm doing here. But it is a very unique thing. And that's why, like, it's it's a it's a and he lost Dak Prescott. Like, you're over here willing to throw away last year for the 49ers as well because of all the injuries that the team sustained. He lost his franchise quarterback. Like, anytime that happens to any team, it's difficult to contextualize what they're doing. And so, in that sense, I'm I'm willing that the jury is is very much still out on Mike McCarthy. Is my point, and I also think it's out on Ron Rivera. But I think the body of work to their this point in their respective careers is obviously much more respectable when it comes to Mike McCarthy than it does Ron Rivera. That's my overall point. If anything, they're a push. But this idea that Ron Rivera is significantly better. Ron, Ron Rivera won one more game last year than Mike McCarthy. I mean, so like what? where did this idea come from? And and like people like you stats are like Mike McCarthy's terrible. And Ron Rivera yeah. won one more game than him last year. And Ron Rivera probably had worse quarterbacks, too. I don't think the Cowboys started Ben DiNucci. They started a rookie seventh round draft pick. You can't, you can't forget about the DiNucci stuff. I mean, the DiNucci factor. Yeah. Like, so this idea that Ron, that's the, if there is a take this off season that I hate, maybe that's a different episode we do at some point. So I don't want to workshop our, our production meetings here, but like the take of the off season that I can't stand is that Ron Rivera is miles ahead of Mike McCarthy. He got swept by the giants last year. I mean, you know, of, of his seven wins, two were against the Cowboys, the first of which Zach Martin was out and they, you know, very grossly took out Andy Dalton. The second of which was the Thanksgiving game, again, when the Cowboys were dealing with far more important things and devastating things than football. They beat the 49ers with Nick Mullins stats. I know you're a big Nick Mullins guy. They beat the Bengals when they took out Joe Burrow. I mean, like, there's not a lot to really be. They, they, they beat the Steelers, and everybody fell all over themselves for that. But we all know at the point of the season that they did that Pittsburgh was already collapsing and already about to fall apart. Washington, to their credit, won the game, but they happened to be there at the right time. So I just, I don't, I don't buy it personally. I, I think Washington's winning like five games this year, Max. I think you're just a hater. I know it's things. It's things that you waited for years and years to get rid of Jason Garrett as a Cowboys fan. You, you waited finally for Jerry Jones to see the light and get rid of his favorite son. And then you brought in Mike McCarthy. I'm not even like, I'm not even standing for Mike McCarthy on the Ron Rivera thing. Like, I just don't, like, Ron Rivera won seven games last year. And the seventh one was a game the Eagles threw to him. You know what I mean? Like, so I just don't understand. He's the, so far, the least credible reigning division champion as far as NFL head coaches are concerned. <laughs> I mean, like, pe people love to throw out the term, like, what is it, like, Mickey Mouse titles? Like, last year's NFC East title was this hollow thing. It means nothing. And so, like, acting like it's this, you know, bright diamond on Ron Rivera's coaching resume from a football perspective is silly to me but it is incredible given all of the personal hardships and hurdles that Ron Rivera had to overcome and for that obviously he has my never-ending respect 
And you mentioned his last two playoff appearances, both teams had sub 500 records and you said it like it was a bad thing. And I'm just sitting here thinking, well, that means Ron Rivera is elite at making the playoff <laughs> sub 500 record. I suppose that that's true. I didn't look at it from that perspective. He's in that hall of fame, the hall of fame of sub 500 and our division champions. We haven't mentioned the AFC South in this show before we leave. Uh, I think for good reason. I think it's a horrible division. I don't have faith in any of the teams. I don't have faith in Carson Wentz. I don't have faith in Urban Meyer at all. He's already off to a fantastic start, getting fined $100,000, getting his team fined $200,000. I think the AFC South is going to be utterly forgettable this season. Hmm. Carson Wentz, also one of the wins that Ron Rivera had last year. Interesting. Uh, but uh, I agree that um, that the AFC South is awful. Like, they it's they are very – like, we're talking about the NFC East being the worst division in football. The AFC South is coming. And I do think – I and I anticipate Steven's going to agree here. I think that the bottom is coming out on the Titans. Like, the, the Julio trade felt like this – we're so close, and it's going to be this, like, we're going to be here in November – and they're going to be Titans fans like, what happened? We, we traded for Julio. Like, this was this, you know, what's why isn't it working? And it's going to be like, yeah, this was predictable. Like, we talked about the Saints missing their window. The Titans had a nice little window, too, that they missed. I actually disagree. Oh! Um, I don't think that the Julio trade made Tennessee significantly better. And I don't think that they're, like, a better football team than they were last season. But that offense is just way too talented to not be fun. Like, I, I think they're going to be able to put up points. It's just their, their defense is going to be bad. Their defense wasn't good last year, and their defense got worse this offseason. But if you get 15, 16, 17 games of Julio, A.J. Brown is a superstar, in my opinion, and Derrick Henry's probably not going to touch the ball as many times as he did last year. He's probably not going to have 2,000 rushing yards. But Derrick Henry still feels like he's a lock for like 1,500 rushing yards. So I think that offense is still going to keep them competitive in a super weak division. I, I'm curious to see what Frank Reich does with Carson Wentz. Uh, the Texans are the worst team in football, like hands down. And so I, I think it's the Titans and the Colts and the AFC South, and I don't think anybody else is really interesting. Ryan Tannehill has 66 touchdowns in the last 26 games he has started. That is incredible. That's more than anybody else when you combine rushing and passing touchdowns. He has been really, really good for the Titans. Not just like, oh, they hand the ball to Derrick Henry and, and he, you know, just is along for the ride. No, he's actually been legitimately good. But I can't understand why their defense is so bad. I feel like the Titans are the kings of get down a bunch early and then Tannehill has to come back, you know, come from behind and throw the ball a bunch and put up a bunch of points. I agree with RJ. I think Tennessee is going to – the bottom is going to fall out on Tennessee. The Julio Jones deal is nice. They're going to have some weeks where they just flat out run over people because I don't know that there's a more physical set of triplets than Derrick Henry, A.J. Brown, and Julio Jones. But I think overall that defense is really, really bad. And I just think that – I agree, RJ. They had their window. They had a shot. And now it's gone. One of the few teams, though, to have some futuristic – looking uniforms and pull them off. So at least they have that going no, for them. No, their uniforms are I like awful. the helmet. I'm a fan of the helmet. I liked the white helmet. But their their jersey font looks like a bad Greek restaurant. I don't have a lot of experience in Greek restaurants, if I'm being honest with you. So. <laughs> yeah, I, don't, I don't love their their uniforms. What's your, what's your favorite kind of restaurant, Stephen? Uh, I really like Asian food. Uh, sushi, Thai food, anything like that. Mm, see, so like when my wife and I go and eat sushi – it's a really frustrating thing for me. She won't use chopsticks, and I find it insulting. It's like I'm, I'm, I'm enjoying the experience here, and you're not. She asks for a fork, and it bothers me every time. Yeah, you gotta go chopsticks. But what if she can't? Like I, I'm horrible at chopsticks. Like I can't do it. Okay. I look, I look like Edward Scissorhands trying to do the the chopsticks. Okay, then go eat like... somewhere else because that's part of the experience. <laughs> no, yeah, it's I'm not. not good at it either. But I still do it. Mm-hmm. I, I figure it out. You, you get. I the still job. do it. I still I still attempt it, but like it looks horrible. It, you know, I'm self-conscious about it. Like, what's the problem? We're in America. We have forks. What's the mm-hmm. difference? Not. There's there's no way when you go to a sushi place, there's no way you're the worst looking person trying mm-hmm. to eat sushi with chopsticks that they've seen that day. Like there's always gonna be somebody who did it a lot worse than you did. Unless and, you're the worst. And, and, 
Well, and and they probably judge the people who use forks way more than they judge the people who don't know how to use chopsticks. Look, George Carlin once said, somewhere in the world is the world's worst doctor. And somebody has an appointment with that doctor today. And somebody's got to be the worst with the chopsticks, right? There has to be a worst. So that could be you. I just, I think you're missing out on the experience. Um, it's It's kind of like, you know, like one time, uh, you know, uh, some buddies and I went to like this great steakhouse and my friend ordered seafood. And it's like, what are you doing, dude? Like we came here because they're a great steakhouse. Like when I go somewhere, I want what they're like known for. Right. Like that's why we went there. So, you know, if the three of us are walking in to get some sushi together, Stephen and I are both sharing the mentality like, hey, we came here for this purpose. So we're going to enact it and we're going to live it out together. And stats, you're ruining the like ambiance of it all by getting a fork. It's stupid. You came there to eat sushi and you're going to eat sushi. You didn't come there to play with chopsticks. You came there to eat the sushi. Nah, you got to use the chopsticks. Mm-hmm. You guys it's, are all about, it's all about experience, too. Mm-hmm. It's experience. It's ambiance. You, you got to do all of it. You got to be all in. Otherwise, you're not experiencing the full the, the full thing that this restaurant is trying to offer you. What's worse, a fork with sushi or using your hands? A fork. Yeah, I think it's a fork, too. Mm-hmm. All right. <laughs> That's going to do it for this edition of the show. I can tell you that. If you don't already, please follow the SB Nation NFL show. Leave a five-star rating and a review. If you throw a question in the review, as always, we promise we will answer it on the air. Thank you for listening, everybody. We will talk to you next week where we start our divisional previews. So stay tuned for that. We are almost at training camp. Just a couple more weeks and then the fun really begins.